If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real-life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien with Nicole Braddock-Bromley, and on today's podcast, we're continuing the conversation on the importance of safe, supportive relationships as we heal from our abuse. Childhood sexual abuse shatters many areas of a victim's life, but perhaps the greatest damage is done in the area of relationships. For many survivors, the physical aspects of abuse don't even compare to the relational damage they carry into their adulthood. So whether the abuse was a one-time exploitation or if it was a long-term trauma, the effects impact relationships for a lifetime. I myself have a passion for relationships because I've witnessed the devastating effects of bad ones and the amazing transforming power of good ones. I long to see sexual abuse survivors in deep, amazing relationships because I know the difference they make. Strong, safe relationships are what get us to a deeper level of healing. But it's not easy. So many survivors isolate themselves from relationship out of fear of being hurt, out of feeling like they can't trust anyone, out of simple self-protection. I can relate to that because, you know, I've been there for many seasons of my life. It wasn't that I isolated myself outwardly. Um, In fact, growing up, I would say I was quite the social butterfly. But inwardly, I wasn't willing to let others know me too deeply or soften my heart enough to have any sort of emotional relationship. I was that tough girl, the one who would never let herself cry or be vulnerable. I couldn't give anyone an open door to bring more pain or betrayal into my life. I thought if I could wall my heart off from others, no one could get close enough to hurt me. But at the same time, reburying my secret, putting on this mask of, Perfectionism, people-pleasing, and toughness, it seemed to be the way to conquer my fears and keep me safe. But in the end, I found that it only added to my fears, and it prevented the life of freedom and the healthy relationships I longed for. The basis of all really healthy relationships, I think, is trust and open, honest communication. But survivors of sexual abuse often feel so isolated that they find it difficult to trust anyone, let alone to have that courage to talk about what they've been through. So, you know, life gets difficult. Survivors stop communicating. Just when we need to connect with people who can support us, that's when we withdraw. (laughs) At least I do. You know, you clam up, you try to go it alone. But in isolating ourselves, we're actually taking a step backwards, I think, on that path to healing because it's those safe relationships, those strong friendships that we have that can be the very breaths of life that can help us survive the difficult times. Where will hurting survivors like myself, maybe like you, go to learn how to be in relationship? You know, how will we ever find freedom from the effects of our broken childhoods? My friend Lori, who's also a counselor in my city, is going to share a little bit more about that. I think that um, one of the key factors is that there has to have been trust developed initially. And so, you know, for instance, when working with a sexual abuse victim, 
you know, I'm trying to develop a deep relationship with them first and develop a level of trust and then speaking into them, speaking that truth into them all along, but them not being able to hear it until there's a level of trust there, if that makes sense, not being able to receive it. So often I think survivors have this, you know, a wall up. And so I think for me, I always had to hear the same thing, the same truth, you know, a hundred times before I would let it sink in. Absolutely. And I think that being willing to continue to hear it, a lot of times because it's uncomfortable, because we don't believe it, we don't want to hear it anymore because it makes us uncomfortable. And so I would encourage young women, young men who are survivors to continue to press into that with their trusted people and to continue to be willing to listen, to continue to be willing to be uncomfortable and struggle with the, but I don't really believe that yet, and allow other people to believe that for them. So it's almost even encouraging the survivor to continue to be vulnerable to say the things that they think are true. Yes. So that they can hear the response of that safe person back to them. Absolutely. And I think part of that, too, is not just hearing the response back, but seeing the emotional response, seeing the emotional impact in the other person, because it helps make the connection that, oh, yeah, this really wasn't me just blowing something out of proportion. You know, they're having a strong reaction to it. They're speaking to me very strongly about what's true. This wasn't just me minimizing or maximizing something. This was, this was really a big deal. That's a really good point. I can remember saying things to one of my safe people, just, you know, well, maybe I shouldn't have put myself in that situation, or maybe I should have known better than to go there with that person. And then seeing the emotional response from my safe person hearing that story was almost more effective to me than hearing their response. You know, they were just, you know, flabbergasted that I would even say that. And, you know, just sad for me that I ever thought that or carried that lie with me and also angry at the person who hurt me. So those kinds of emotional responses, like you said, I I think you're right. I think that really helped me be able to grasp the truth and to dispel the lie that, you know, it was my fault. Yes. You were talking about being able to take in and receive that truth. I remember um, a couple different gals that I worked with. When I would speak truth to them, they would actually say, hang on a minute, I need to write that down. And writing it down gave them something that, that they could go back to when they weren't with me, when they're not with their safe person something that they can go back to and say, okay, this is what they said. This is what's true. I'm going to try to cling to this. That's really good. Yeah. Something that you can just kind of hold on to almost like your journal entries, but it's someone else's words. Just a reminder that you're not battling this alone. Right. Because the enemy tries so hard to discourage and to shame and to isolate us. And so, you know, having that circle of safe people, I mean, is our, is our best defense against that. Because shame in and of itself is isolating. And so when we have people who can, who can speak truth that breaks the, the power of shame, it not only breaks that shame, but it also starts to bring us out of hiding. Yeah. And I think you do a good job talking about how the enemy is our accuser, you know, and, and 
and tries to tell us all kinds of things about who we are and things that aren't true about our worth. So I think that's a that's a very good point that the people that we surround ourselves can help us fight his lies. Exactly. As I was thinking about us talking today, I was thinking about it's it's kind of in a way almost like these people become our spiritual bodyguards. They kind of help guard us from those accusations and attacks from the enemy because they are fighting for us with truth. That's really good. Yeah, because I always talk about the circle of inspiration is, you know, they're in, these people are inspiring us and helping us rise to the occasion to fulfill our purposes. But you're right. It's also a means of protection. It's a circle around us, just like you said, bodyguards. I like that. Yeah, survivors can feel very vulnerable. And when you feel vulnerable, not only externally, when you feel vulnerable internally, too, I think it's especially helpful and important to have people around you who are that inspiration, who are speaking truth, who are drawing you out of your isolation, and uh, who are edifying you and, and coming against all of the lies that are trying to hold you captive. Thank you so much, Lori. As a survivor myself, I found that to be very helpful in my healing. Nicole, will you share what your experience has looked like? Yeah. In my own experience, I've come to understand that sexual abuse has had the greatest impact on several different kinds of relationships. Different relationships like with parents or with mentors or friends or maybe a spouse and with God. And on the other hand, Each of those relationships have had some of the greatest influences on me and on my healing journey. In order for us to be authentic in relationships, we have to remove our masks. We have to come out from hiding, break free from maybe addictions we've used to replace relationships, learn how to tell others the truth about what we've been through. Well, don't get me wrong. It's going to be hard. It will take a lot of courage, you know, to begin creating a circle of inspiration. Abused kids are told over and over in many ways to keep their secret. And then as an adult survivor now, your mind might still be telling you to hush. Nicole, you actually wrote something in your book, Hush, that I think helps us understand the importance of telling our stories in safe relationships. You wrote, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the willingness to act in the face of fear. It's what enables you to tell your story despite your fear. Telling your secret to someone you trust can make a huge impact on your healing and future relationships. It will help validate your experience and feelings. It will help you understand your innocence and your abuser's guilt. It will help you realize that you're not alone. It will help you open up to others so they can comfort and encourage you. It will help you experience healthy emotions and honest relationships. It will help restore your trust. It will help boost your self-esteem. It will help affirm your self-worth. It'll help you be a source of comfort to others. And your second book, Breathe, I love how it's actually focused on this whole topic. And it's where you came up with the term circle of inspiration, right? Yeah. Survivors of sexual abuse find it really difficult to talk about what they've been through. They often tell me things like they remember nights when they held their breath and fear that an abuser might be near and hear them if they spoke. What they want more than anything is to be free to breathe deeply, to fill their empty places inside with life-giving air, but they never feel safe enough to do that, so they keep silent. Breathe goes beyond my first book, Hush, for the simple fact that healing is a lifelong journey, and relationships are a huge part of that. 
So even after we've taken those four major steps in hush of moving from silence to healing, there's more healing to do. You know, we have to let that stale air out and we have to let fresh air in. And when we do, we enter a new stage of healing that enables us to thrive in all of our relationships. So Breathe is a book for survivors who are ready to work on this issue of, you know, having safe, strong relationships to allow good ones in and to get rid of the bad ones. But it's also for those who are committed to walking alongside of us on our healing journey. You know, compassionate people, that's what I call the survivor's circle of inspiration. They care, they inspire us, they're breathing new life into us. They make up our breathing space, a space where we can become all that God intended us to be. And as survivors of sexual abuse, I think we desperately need such a circle. And although you'd think that family members would be the first ones a survivor would turn to for protection, understanding, help, they actually are often the last. Many reasons for that. Fear is one. We can be afraid to talk to members of our family about the abuse because our abuser told us to keep it a secret from our family. And we've always feared the consequences if we did talk to them about it. Another one is responsibility. I believed myself not only that the abuse was my fault, but also that it was my responsibility to keep my family together. So talking about it later as an adult has helped me understand that what had happened was wrong, that it wasn't my fault. And I needed to talk through the lies that I believed. All of this had to be done within my circle to my safe people. And that's where a lot of my healing came from, was simply talking about those things with the people around me, the safe, loving relationships that I had, allowing them to speak truth back to me and replace the lies that I was living out of. Just as damaging as the abuse itself is the unloving response of loved ones when they hear about your abuse. So sadly, one of the most common stories I hear, and I've probably said this before, but is of a victim telling a non-offending parent or another trusted family member about their abuse, telling them their secret, or maybe even just hinting about it, and then being told to hush or you know, having the whole situation swept under the rug or just not talked about again. It breaks my heart every time I hear this, for I know how devastating the response is to those who are broken, hurting, and vulnerable, and had the courage to tell. Not only is it an incredible letdown for the victim, but it plants lies in his or her mind. Things like, I must be bad. It was my fault. No one cares. I'm dirty and everyone thinks so. I should have kept it a secret. Lies like these, confirmed by a trusted one's initial response to the revelation of abuse, can set a victim on the path to desolation. So in my experience... If just one person is willing to enter a tender dialogue with a broken survivor of abuse, that hurting person will be well on her way to the healing she desires and deserves. So how would you encourage or advise a survivor of sexual abuse that maybe is coming to you? So they have you, but how would you advise them to bring in more people so that it's not just you two, but they have other strong people in their life that can be a safe place outside of you? I would encourage them first to look in their existing circles and determine where they have the highest level of trust already with people and who feels safe to them already. Um, and then we would talk about preparing to share their story and invite them into that circle. I have found that 
a lot of women have found that kind of support and circle in a support group for a season. I think the biggest piece is helping them pay attention to where do they have red flags about a person, because I think that's something that survivors of sexual abuse can kind of question sometimes and can kind of, they kind of question their own judgment because they feel like, well, I had maybe poor judgment before, and so I'm not sure I trust myself. And so helping them recognize that there are people that they think are safe but maybe really aren't safe, encouraging them to recognize those red flags and trust them. Um, But on the other hand, recognizing the people where they're showing all the signs that they're trustworthy, then taking steps toward trusting them further. And then actually taking the step and just, I mean, what do you usually say? Do you think that you could meet this person for coffee and, and ask if you could share your story with them? Or how do you kind of encourage them? I think that first step, the initiating, is is the hardest for many survivors. Is there a certain way that yeah. you recommend they go about that? I think that, you know, what you just suggested, I think it's a great starting place. It depends, too, though, how comfortable the survivor is sharing their story in public. And it may be that it might take a couple coffee dates to get to a level of comfort to be able to share the story. But I think, you know, just beginning to mention to that person, you know, there's something that I would like to share with you and that because I trust you that I want you to know about me and I want for us to be able to have a chance to sit down and talk about that. I think it's a great way to begin broaching that subject. I think it's a little harder when it's a parent. And so sometimes I may advise going to a friend first if that level of comfort isn't there. I also have always welcomed people to bring in a person with them and tell them within the safety of my office if that's a comfortable place for them. Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. So if they have someone that they're working with that they feel safe with, that's always an option is to bring a friend or a family member in with them and then have that safe space to be able to share their story. Well, thanks, Lori. Is there anything else that you felt like you wanted to maybe share on that topic? Yeah, I just think, you know, the, the more we can surround ourselves with truth tellers, the better. Because, I mean, all of us, even if we're not a survivor of abuse, we all can fall prey to the lies of the enemy. When you struggle with shame and when you've been taken advantage of in a way that really violates trust, it's just really important to have truth around you all the time because the the temptation toward uh, believing those lies is so much stronger, I think, when we have that condemnation piece on top of everything else. Girl, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, the condemnation piece is huge. And so truth-telling friends, that circle of inspiration that you talk about, I mean, it's crucial. It's absolutely crucial. Thank you, Lori. I you appreciate bet. your voice so much and appreciate you. Thank you. So I have to ask Nicole for someone who their family is denying their abuse or pushing it under the rug like we so often hear about, How do you recommend they respond? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think families who don't acknowledge the abuse, um, is it's super damaging, first of all. But if this is anyone's situation listening, just remember that you get to choose. You get to choose who is in your circle of inspiration. It's your circle. This is your team and you are the captain. So only those who acknowledge 
the abuse and are willing to walk with you on that path ahead are allowed in. You have the right to exclude anyone, even a family member. You can still heal without the support of your family. And even if your family can't help breathe life into you, there's other people out there who will. And above all else, God is always able. He's always with us. Wanted to share this incredible story from an adult survivor. She wrote to us. Her name's Alyssa. She said, I've been blown away lately by how telling my story brings people closer together. As much as I trusted the women in my Bible study group, I was terrified to tell them my story. At the same time, there was a bee in my britches that just wouldn't leave me alone. It kept bugging me to tell secrets that had been rotting deep inside my heart for 37 years. I thought that revealing these secrets would destroy me. But God had other plans. Once I told those trusted friends my story, something miraculous happened. Others started sharing their stories. So tell your story. It's the first step to healing. Find someone you trust, someone who will listen. Tell your story over and over to them. Write it down, read it. The more you speak it, the more you write it, the less power it will have over you. Talk through those lies you believe and allow others to speak truth to you. You deserve a circle of inspiration. You deserve safe, genuine, meaningful relationships. And I pray that this week, you would begin to create your own circle. We're so glad you're here. In a couple weeks, we'll hear from Nicole's mom, Cindy, and how a parent should respond to child sexual abuse. We hope you'll subscribe, write a review if you heard something you like, invite friends and family to listen so more people can hear about healing. Check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.